Hello and welcome to Insights. This is Dane Phillips. I'm the founder and CEO of Elite Admit, and this is episode 18. So we are moving along, um, and we're going to try to do something a little bit different today. So, uh, so far we've talked to uh, graduates mostly, some people that are still doing their graduate studies, uh, but our goal is to cover everything about the application process, uh, about the studies themselves, and of course about the career that follows. Uh, I think another thing that's really important and and listeners will really benefit from is to talk to one of our partners, uh, which is Fernando Martinez, and talk about the other side of the equation. How is it that we help people? What is it that they're looking for? Um, And what skill sets and and, uh, approaches really have an impact on the application process and the the development process as human capital consultants? So uh, Fernie, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Do you want to introduce yourself to everybody out there? Hello, uh, my name is Fernando. Uh, Fernie, as most people uh, like to call me. So uh, yeah, I've been working with Elite Admit for um, about nine years, both in the European office and now uh, based out of Bangkok. So yeah, I'm excited to, to share with the listeners uh, to give some some of the background as to you know, what we do behind the scenes and kind of give a little different perspective to what everybody's been used to listening to so far on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so as you mentioned, working in both Europe and and now being based uh, exclusively in Thailand, you have gotten to see different aspects of the process, work with people from different backgrounds, um, and you find these trends and you find these uh, strategies that work across the spectrum. Uh, but of course, 95% of our clients are from Thailand. It is our focus. Uh, so uh, I think our Thai listeners especially will, will really benefit from this um, and, and get to know you better because, again, being based in Bangkok, uh, they're most likely to work with you or Carl. Um, so uh, for those of you out there that, that are working with us or will work with us, um, you know, very good chance that you're going to be working closely with myself and, and with Fernie. So, um, so Fernie, uh, you, as you mentioned, you were in the European office. Uh, you have a really unique background that I think lends itself to consulting. Um, and if we go back all the way to the beginning, uh, I've known you for all of this, uh, little background, Fernando and I have been uh, friends since childhood, uh, went to college together, college roommates, uh, and and known each other throughout this whole span uh, of our lives. So I've gotten to watch this uh, and be a part of this. And it's it's been really fascinating to see how his experiences and skill sets uh, lend themselves uh, to uh, consulting. Uh, so if we jump all the way back to college, you studied film. You went to film school at the University of Texas, uh, one of the best film schools in, in the country. How does that uh, really help you as a consultant uh, and, and really help bring out the best in the people you're working with? Yeah, my career trajectory has, uh, has taken a few uh, divergent paths. Um, but yeah, so to start at the beginning, my original uh, career was filmmaking as far as it goes with consulting because it, there's a lot of natural uh, transitions uh, a lot of aspects of filmmaking that really do translate well uh, to the consulting world specifically with uh, admissions consulting so ultimately uh, what's going to get you guys into schools is your stories um, so it's a culmination of everything it's, it's your grades it's your GMAT scores it's everything but ultimately uh, you're going to need to develop some interview skills uh, in order to get to that last step before uh, before you get admissions. Uh, and to do so, you need to be able to tell 
your life stories. So tell those stories uh, and tell those stories well. I think there's only like six stories that they say that uh, exist in the world, but there's uh, thousands of iterations of those stories. So uh, in filmmaking, it's just uh, drawing a viewer's attention. Here would be drawing the either the reader's attention or the listener's attention, uh, but holding that and finding places for pauses for nice transitions to build tension, to build release. So all these elements are integral to uh, to filmmaking, uh, but they really do lend themselves well to what we do here in consulting. So I started off in production, which entailed all kinds of stuff, but eventually I focused on editing. And that's uh, essentially what I did uh, for the bulk of my filmmaking career. And that, again, it's like, it's a perfect analogy. You know, you take hundreds of hours of footage and sometimes you find stuff that's fantastic, but it just doesn't work for the story you want to tell. So you make those tough choices and you you make those tough cuts where they need to, uh, all for the sake of the story. The story still drives all the action. So in a sense, that's that's kind of what we're doing here. We're, we're taking your life stories. Um, sometimes, you know, there's dozens, maybe hundreds of stories, uh, but we find the best ones and then we find a way to tell those stories as effectively and as uh, impressively as possible. Yeah. Uh, a few things that I, that I think that's perfect. And a few things I really want to grab onto is one, you constantly use the word stories, right? It's not achievements. It's not experiences. It's stories. And those aren't the same thing, right? Just an experience is something that happened, but that doesn't make it a story. A story has tension and release, as you mentioned, right? It's got to be interesting. Um, there are terrible storytellers out there, and it's because they're not really telling a story. They're talking about an experience. Uh, and so a lot of people that are applying are saying, oh, I need to talk about my achievements. Well, telling a story is different. I mean, it's maybe subtly different to a lot of people, but it is different. Uh, and it has all the, the things that you mentioned, right? It has tension. It has release. It has pauses. It has transitions. It grabs the reader's attention. Uh, it points the focus here, just like a camera could. Uh, you can do that verbally as well. And, and then when we get to the interview stage, you can do that uh, with your intonation, with your uh, uh, body language, and a lot of other uh, tools and, and uh, tricks of the trade. So that's the first thing I want to point out is that you've got to tell stories. This is not just a collection of your experiences, your achievements. It's storytelling first on paper, as you mentioned. And then, of course, you got to be able to follow that up um, in the interview. Um, because everyone's a lot of people still think this process takes place on paper and it simply does it right so um yes we start out with essays essays get you interviews interviews get you into school but you're thinking about that whole process um and you talked about the hundred hour hundreds of hours of footage and and that i think lends itself to what we do as well because people have so much to say right it's a 500 word essay but I mean, it starts out as like a two-hour conversation, right? I mean, long before pen goes to paper or you start typing things out, it's this huge conversation. Then you start to find uh, some of those hooks and, and some of the things that you want to focus on. But even once you've spent months talking about something and you finally write it, it's still way too long. Mm -hmm. Right. It's 900 words. It's 1200 words. It's 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 a lot. Um, and so your editing skills are really helpful. What I would like to ask you and I think would be interesting for listeners is you've worked in all aspects, right? You've written. Uh, you, I mean, you wrote scripts. You know, the three act structure. You, you know how to tell a story and kind of envision how it's going to turn out, um, you know, in film. Uh, you've worked behind the camera. You directed a, a, a film. Um, 
And that's the point where you're like, let's do another take just in case, right? You're kind of thinking about the editing perspective and you say, well, we might need this. So let's do these five different takes and we'll see what we want to decide in the editing room. Well, we can do that on paper, right? You can have people draft these different things or talk about different things. And the final decision comes in editing, but you, the editing room wouldn't work if you didn't have all the right raw materials, right? And so can let's step all the way back and maybe talk about how each one of those leads into the next. And, and we don't have to directly compare it to uh, the admissions process. I think that'll show up. But how does writing affect directing, which affects uh, editing? Can you maybe tell us about that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's uh, it's really interesting in in that it's it's twofold, right? It's it's both technical and it's artistic, and some people are great at one or great at the other, and it's uh, it's always nice when you can find somebody that that has both. And having the experience of having done it all, um, which is one of the great things that's about the UT Film School in particular, it's that other film programs they make you. Uh, choose uh, one discipline right at the get-go. So mm. if you want to be a director, then you only take a director's path. Uh, at UT, they give you the opportunity to uh, to do everything, and you have to do everything. Uh, so I never knew that I would enjoy writing, but I had to take a script, a script writing class, and it turned out to be one of my favorite classes of all time and made me realize that, okay, this is something that I can do. So it's nice to have the balance of those two, but Ultimately, it's like you're making those choices at every aspect. So as far as when you start with the writing, um, everything's technical, okay? There has to be an act break here, another act break here. It has to be 90 pages so it can you know, be a full-length script. So you have all these rules in place. Um, and then within those rules, that's when you're allowed to flourish. So it starts with the writing process. It continues with the directing process, whether it be uh, things like uh, blocking and framing uh, and staging and lighting. All these are technical uh, but they are also very much based in artistic. And then ultimately, editing is the exact same way. Uh, you have to be uh, proficient at both. There's this uh, famous editor named uh, Walter Murch. Um, he wrote a book called In the Blink of an Eye, which is pretty much uh, the industry Bible uh, as far as editing goes. So he breaks. Uh, he has like six rules of editing, and um, it's six reasons why you make a cut. So it could be anything from pacing, uh, continuity, Say somebody's drinking a water and it's completely full in one shot. It has to stay completely full in the next one. Uh, right. So things like this. But but then he what he does, which is really impressive, is that he gives these uh, a numerical value. So he rates them, you know, from one to one hundred, what all these are worth. And interestingly, is that he devotes seventy five percent to story and emotion. All that other stuff is secondary. All the other four technical things combined only make up twenty five percent of what it why you want to make a cut. So 75% of the decisions are based uh, strictly on story and emotion. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it because yes, you do need all the technical backgrounds to know uh, what makes good edits for essays, for films, for whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's also being so entwined in storytelling that something just feels right. Like this feels like it should end here. And there's no other reason other than than that sense. Um, mm-hmm. So so once you get that that sense, that emotion, um, that supersedes everything else. So um, so that's really important in storytelling, and that's something that I like to bring uh, both to the writing of our essays, but also once you get down in an interview as to you know how to tell the story most effectively and make sure that you're completely uh, capturing uh, the people's attention and just make sure you're engaging throughout the entire process. 
That's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. I love hearing uh, uh, about how all of it fits together. Technical plus artistic, that's something I definitely want to dive into because I think pe some people think it's art, some people think it's science. As you mentioned, it's both. Um, and it's hard to know which one to use at any given moment. Some of that is instinct and experience. But, um, but yeah, I think that what you're describing, you know, if somebody's listening to that with filmmaking in mind, they can picture it. They're thinking about it with essays in mind. They can picture it. Their favorite TV show, picture it. Uh, you can think about it as books, right? But I mean, ultimately, again, it's storytelling, right? These are just different uh, mediums that we use for storytelling. So uh, very cool. And I have some follow-up questions I want to ask you. Okay, so I mean, I think the the main thing, there's a lot about a lot of that that I want to talk about, but you were talking about editing. Essentially, it was all about subtraction. And everyone thinks this is about addition. If I say just one more thing, right? If I just add this, if I just have this extra detail. Um, th and fortunately, there are word limits to essays. It, it like saves us because there's an absolute finite amount of space. In a movie, there's not, right? Like it used to be 90 minute movies. Then you could get away with, uh, you know, an extra 10 minutes, extra 20 minutes. Now you have two hours, two and a half hours. You keep pushing the envelope. But if you ever watch the uncut version of a movie, it's inevitably worse. <laughs> like it doesn't get better because you added all this stuff, right? And so it's what's fascinating to me is the whole time you were talking about how to make a great story, you were talking about it in terms of subtraction, not addition. Um, can you maybe talk to us more about how that works and why it works? Yeah, so uh, I mean, to begin with, it's, it all falls back on, you know, the writer and director to make sure that everything's there. But I mean, it's 100% true. And it's, it's nice working with, with limitations sometimes. Um, so sometimes, you know, you can't get that extra shot, you're not going to go back and, you know, a $25,000 day just to get this extra shot because you need it. Um, right. So sometimes you're, you're bound by those limitations. But yeah, I mean, if everybody does their job properly, and, you know, our clients here are fantastic and always getting us uh more than what we need. On occasion, we do ask for more stuff, but uh, for the most part, it is it is about subtraction. It's uh, sometimes the less you say, the more engaged you become, and then uh, and then that naturally leads to some follow up questions during interview and things like this. But uh, it's getting the story down to its essence, um, which can be hard to do. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we do have word limitations. We have time limitations uh, for the interview, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, telling the stories precisely and effectively is is a very important skill set to to the admissions process and, and something that we teach you guys how to do. Yeah. I, again, I think it's really fortunate because it forces people to do it. You've got it. We, I mean, we start with 500 word cores, but there are plenty of schools that have 450s and it's uh, to go back 10 years, schools used to say approximately 500 words. Well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? So it was industry understanding that it was 10%. Um, so 500 was really 550. But of course, people push the envelope to 535, 600. So anyway, that's a, a word you'd never see in prompts anymore. No one says approximately. Harvard doesn't have a word limit, but uh, there's an understood word limit. But for every other school, it's, it's quite precise. Um, and you do need that because more is not necessarily better. And in fact, it's, it's often not better. But the other thing I love about uh, the method that you're describing, and it's, it's just one of the many reasons we do things the way we do them, but it means that the uh, applicant wrote their essay, 
right? If they wrote 400 words and you have to add 100, then you end up, you know, ghostwriting to a degree or putting your own voice in or, or something of that nature. By working through subtraction, you're getting down to the best story. You're making sure that you didn't miss anything. You know everything about uh, the story so that you make sure the best stuff ends up in there. But you're also making sure that it's their content, their voice, their essay. Um, and that's definitely not something that people associate with the industry necessarily, because there are a lot of people that take the easy way out. It's actually a lot easier to write an essay, right? We're professional writers. You can sit down and write 500 right. perfect words <laughs> in a couple of hours. It takes three months to fix somebody else's writing, right? Um, but it's worth it. It's worth it because the product is better. Uh, it's worth it because it's ethical. And it's worth it because then when the client gets accepted, they know they earned that spot, right? Uh, they, they didn't cheat, cheat their way in. And I think it's why our clients get to celebrate in a way that maybe other people don't. You know, we just had the going away party for everybody and everybody shows up. They're proud. They're excited. Uh, you know, they're talking about where they got into school. There's no embarrassment. There's no people are very happy saying that they worked with us because everybody in the industry knows that we don't write essays for people. Um, and so it's cool that it has an ethical component, but as you're talking about, you were just saying that it, it works better, which it does, right? It just works better, yeah. uh, to work in that direction. Yeah. And it's super helpful when, when they know it's their own stories. Um, because when you are in interview, then that's a lot less stress that you have to worry about because you can handle any sort of probing question that comes your way because they're your stories. This is exactly what happened to you. So if they start probing on details on any sp specific aspect of it, you have nothing to worry about because they're your stories and you can easily answer those questions and then just uh, move move on with, with the next part of the story uh, without any stress whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's such a simple rule. We tell people early on, it's actually in our contract. You cannot lie. <laughs> but um, and it sounds like a purely ethical thing. And ethically, it is important to us, but it's a functional thing. Right. If you try to lie on paper, I mean, yeah, you can get away with it. Paper safe. Nobody gets to ask you probing questions, argue with you, yell at you, whatever. Right. Uh, but interview is this totally different animal. And at the best schools in the world, you're always going to interview. Um, and as you said, there's going to be probing questions and you don't know what they're going to be. You can try to plan out. Um, but as long as you're talking about reality, you can answer any probing question. You know, how did you do that? Why did you do that? What did you do next? Who was involved, et cetera, et cetera. Do you want to give away some credit? So they'd say, who helped you on this? Or what did you take ownership of? Whatever the probing question is, you have it because it happened, right? Uh, one of my favorite questions ever was a Stanford question and it was asked to, uh, a client that ended up going to Harvard, but they asked her, uh, you know, uh, where was the meeting? That's it. You know, she's telling a story. I pitched this idea to the CEO and it's got all this cool stuff into it. And he stops her and he's like, cool, where was the meeting? There's no way you have that answer if that story is not 100% true. Uh, and so a Stanford interview, for example, can be two hours long versus a Harvard interview, which is 30 minutes on the dot. They're hard for different reasons, but they're both hard. Uh, and But a very simple way to make sure that both of those interviews go well is to just tell the truth, tell the best version of the truth. And then what's cool is all the stuff that you had to make cuts on, um, one, it can go in other places, right? It can go in recommendations. It goes in resume. It goes in short answer. It's not like it just gets thrown in the trash uh, or it gets left on the editing room floor, right? Um, there are other places. And again, uh, 
there's an opportunity in interview to, to answer that as a probing question. And then in an interview, it seems like a value add. It's like, wow, what a great response when the client wanted to use it the whole time. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, man, I really want to talk about this thing. Um, yeah. Everybody else I know that's working with somebody else, they're terrified of probing questions. And our clients are like begging for them, right? Because they know they want to tell more because they have yeah, more. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so no, I mean, I think that's a, a, a really cool approach uh, that understanding when you start out with... Uh, what is ultimately too much information. Yes, there's concision. You can tell us, obviously, as again, as professionals, we can say the same thing more quickly. Um, that's going to help. Uh, so for example, if somebody wrote 600 words, you and I could say the exact same thing in 500, like precisely. They would lose zero content. Um, so concision is a, is a, is a great tool. Um, but 900 words, that's not going to happen, right? You're going to have to make some tough choices. But what it ends up doing is it highlights what remains, right? It puts right. the focus on what's still there. Um, and that's the best stuff. Uh, and uh, by not overwhelming the reader or the listener uh, with information, uh, which we call cognitive load, you're able to put the focus on certain things. But if a movie was three hours long, not only would it be boring or whatever, but you wouldn't naturally be able to know what matters most, right? What is the most important thing? Um, and so, like you said, those constraints uh, ultimately make you a better storyteller. Uh, and so I think it's why your film background, my journalism background are so helpful because I know people with a literature background that have tried to make this transition and can't. You know, right. if you're used to writing, um, you know, these novels uh, or even 20 page papers, uh, to try to tell a story in 500 words or, and again, this is the longest version. You go down to 450, you go down to 400, there are 250 word essays, 220. Um, you're going to have to be able to tell stories quickly and, and not everybody has learned how to do that. And it took us years and years to hone that skill set, right? Um, you did it through film, I did it through journalism, and then we've both done it through writing of other types. Correct. But, but really cool to hear that uh, subtraction is as powerful of a tool, if not a more powerful tool than addition. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I do not and think... And it's tough to convince the clients of that to get that, <laughs> that buy-in. But once that buy-in comes in, they're all like, oh yeah, this, this story makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Uh, so much. And uh, like you said, that buy-in does take a little while, but it's why we work with people for months and months and months. It's why we don't just say, you know, this is the word of God. This is how it has to be done. We always explain the whys. Um, and it is fun to watch that evolution of buy-in too, right? I mean, they trust us, so they wouldn't be working with us. I mean, we don't advertise. They came to us because they were referred by 10 people, 15 people. They, they know us, they trust us. But there's still these instincts that say more is better, but they do slowly kind of see it. They buy in. Um, my favorite moment of buy-in is after their first interview, uh, when they finally see all the tools play out. You know yeah. what I mean? And maybe it's like the the premiere of a movie or whatever, yeah, right? That's a great comparison. So you finally get to go, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I see why we did those thousand things uh, because this is the final product. So, yeah. Um, well, that's really cool. Um, I love hearing that. Um, and as you said, really great that you did not choose a focus early on. So you know every aspect of filmmaking. Um, and then later on, 
you know, you worked in the film festivals and you did writing uh, and, and things of that nature. But just that early education, broad education, I think is really helpful because as consultants, you never know what you're going to be called upon to use at any given moment, right? Correct. You never know. Um, every applicant needs something different. And then the other thing I wanted to focus on is, is like you said, there's only six basic stories in all of human history, but thousands, millions of iterations. And the same thing is true of essays. You can have structure, you can have rules, you can have uh, uh, concepts and strategies and all of these kinds of things, but no two applicants sound the same, right? Just like no two films are identical. Uh, you are all focusing on the same rules and, and maybe editors are all using the book that you talked about, but everybody makes different decisions. The math turns out a little different. The material they're working with is a little different. So you can have strategy and structure and still be unique. Uh, Absolutely. And, and that's really important because of course, no client wants to be edited to the point of, um, of sounding like everybody else. And, and I think that's what's cool about our clients is they do get to do group interview. We do those 30 hours of group interview. So they're sitting around with at least five other people and they're hearing stories that had the same strategies and mentalities as we were approaching, but nobody sounds the same. Um, in fact, last year we had two people that swore they were twins, you know, same undergrad, same degree, uh, worked at the same company, same job, same projects. Like they thought they were so similar. Um, and we didn't because we could see all the things that made them unique. And they actually ended up getting into the same school, uh, which means the school didn't think they were the same either. Uh, and so I think that's really important uh, is that that when other people may think that they overlap, we can see those differences and, of course, bring those differences um, out. Uh, really cool conversation about filmmaking. Uh, we could definitely talk about it longer, but uh Really interesting to hear about how all the pieces fit together uh, from writing uh, to directing uh, to editing and how that lends itself to the consulting process. So uh, th I think this is a great stopping point. So we'll go ahead and wrap up here for part one and we'll continue on with uh, Fernando in part two. So please listen to that as well.